Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Munther Isaac, who is a Palestinian Christian, a theologian, a teacher at Bethlehem Bible College. And he has been in the UK recently working on his PhD. He's married with one son, and uh, he's here tonight to share with us about uh, what, is, what God is doing with uh, the Arab Christians and working in that. So let's welcome Munther Isaac. Well, uh, good evening. And thank you for uh, inviting me to be uh, with you this evening in this uh, wonderful conference. And it really uh, warms my heart to see this uh, big crowd uh, praising God uh, in one heart, in one unity. Uh, especially when, when you come from uh, where I come from, where most of the churches are small. Uh, sometimes you undermine the uh, power of fellowship and the importance of fellowship. And interestingly, uh, on my way here on the plane, I was reading a book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, how, you know, living in underground under the persecution of the Nazis, he was speaking how sometimes it is easily forgotten that the fellowship of Christian brethren is a gift of grace, a gift of the kingdom of God that any day may be taken from us, that the time that still separates us from utter loneliness may be brief indeed. I just saying this so as to encourage you to appreciate uh, this big crowd, to appreciate the fellowship you have with one another. But I'm here to speak about uh, the Palestinian Christian Church, Palestinian Christian community, and uh, how is it to serve Christ in the land of Christ. And let me begin by asking you a question. What is it the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word Arab. And be honest, what comes to your mind first when you hear the word Arab? Interestingly, there has been some uh, research done about this, and they found what is called the three B's syndrome. And I'm not sure if anybody has heard of it, but basically the three, uh, what should I call this? The three B syndrome is that Arabs are one of the followings. Billionaires, bombers, or belly dancers. And I'm glad to report that I do not fall under any of these three <laughs> categories. We do not want to see me dancing. But I hope that after tonight, that God moves in our hearts to change this perception and to help us look at the Middle East, to look at Palestine and Israel to look at Syria and Lebanon and Jordan through new eyes, to see them the way he sees them. When it comes to Palestine, speaking about my own contacts, the reality on the ground is a difficult one. And those of you who came here uh, this afternoon heard me share about some of the personal struggles in my life. And I said, I'm 34 years old, and I cannot even recount the number of wars and conflicts I, I witnessed and how that shapes uh, our, our reality, really. And as I speak today, you know, I grew up under 
military occupation, Israeli military occupation. And this is the reality we still face today to a certain degree. Uh, if you come and visit Bethlehem, you will see the wall, uh, the separation wall. And in the midst of that, we as a Christian community live as a minority. And we face, from what we perceive as severe uh, injustices from the occupation. There is a lot of instability, uh, a lot of failed peace agreements that I've witnessed, that we've witnessed. And right now we are in a state of, you know, a stalled peace process. I know they announced that the peace talks will be resumed uh, soon, but believe me, you talk to any Palestinian or Israeli, indeed, on the ground, and you will hear only uh, pessimism. There is no optimism. And all the talk today is about a two-state or a one-state. And in the midst of that, what really um, distresses us is that when you really listen to the narrative of both sides, you do not see uh, any sense of a common vision, a vision for the future. You only see people uh, speaking from the mentality of victimization with no place for the other. Each side seeking what's only best for uh, themselves. Neglecting, you know, it's a small land. And if there is any future uh, for us in this land, it has to be a common future. But that is the reality we find ourselves in. This is the wall just outside uh, Bethlehem. This is the wall I pass by every day going to work uh, at Bethlehem uh, Bible College. Now, in the midst of that, there's a community of Palestinian Christians. And no, we are not invented. And I know that for some, the words, the two words together, Palestinian Christians, is an oxymoron. Yet, I'm here to tell you that, uh, you know, Arab Christians existed even before Islam. And I'm not sure you know that in the first council of churches, in the fourth century, there were Arabs there. And so this is not a new phenomenon, okay? Uh, we have theologians who defended the Christian faith, uh, who wrote good systematic theology, good apologetics in the 9th and 8th and 10th century. And if you went to seminaries here, I'm sure you would not hear about them. Uh, but we know about them and they exist. And so the Arab church really has a long history and tradition. And so as a Palestinian Christian, uh, you know, we do not feel that we are the children of yesterday. In fact, we feel we are continuing the presence of God in the Holy Land. And we feel somehow unworthy uh, to, do, to be you know, the, those who carry the word of God and presence of God in his land. Uh, but in the same time, we feel privileged uh, about that. And of course, we went uh, through different periods, uh, mainly under Muslim Islamic rule. And what's really interesting about the people of the land, uh, talking about my community, the Arab-Palestinian community, is that we've always been, uh, you know, never been autonomous, always been occupied. And, and this is, you know, a sad part of our history. Palestinian Christians today uh, number about 165,000, and I'm talking about Arab Christians, uh, about 120,000 of them live uh, in Israel, mainly in Galilee. And about 45,000 of them live in what we call the occupied territories or the Palestinian territories, uh, the territories under the Palestinian National Authority, West Bank and Gaza. Just think of that, 45,000. That's, that's the number. And it's a number that has been in decline for the last number of years, hundreds, uh, 100 years or so. 
the, the first wave of immigration uh, took place under uh, the Ottoman Empire. And in fact, today, there, and it's then when many Palestinian Christians immigrated and left and went to Latin America. And in fact, today, there are more Palestinian Christians in Latin America than there are in the land. Hundreds of thousands uh, of uh, Christians who trace their route to Palestine. And that uh, wave of immigration continued uh, after that uh, because of the difficult situations we find ourselves in. And I'll try to speak a little bit about that. Uh, the good news is that there was a very, very recent research that said that in the last five years, uh, the number of Palestinian Christians have been steady and it stopped uh, declining. Well, that's good. Let's look at the uh, empty, uh, the full half of the cup. We fall under three church families. The majority of us are uh, with Greek Orthodox Church, some with the Catholics, and then a tiny minority uh, who are Protestants and uh, Evangelicals. We face uh, many challenges, uh, political challenges, and I talked a little bit about the accumulation, and as a result, there are economic challenges, uh, and this also leads to social challenges. Sometimes when there is uh, violence, there is no tourism, and we depend a lot on tourism. But there is also the challenge of being a minority, and it's always hard to be uh, a minority. And sometimes there is a social pressure of having, you know, uh, not being part of, uh, of the majority. And uh, this uh, was expressed in a very tragic way in, in Gaza when certain groups attacked a Christian worker uh, about a few years ago and killed him. And it's definitely much worse uh, in Gaza where about 2,000 Christians live now than it is uh, in the West Bank. And all of this is becoming more and more complicated with the situation in the wider Middle East and the rise of what we can call radical Islam, which really influences everything, uh, not just in different countries, but also in Palestine uh, as well. So these are some of the challenges uh, that we face. But despite that, the Palestinian Christian community has been a very, very active community indeed. And we feel ourselves to be an integral part uh, of the society. And uh, I could even say that we are doing uh, much, much better than uh, many other Christians in the neighboring Arab countries. And our contribution to the society is not proportional uh, in that we uh, have the best schools, uh, the best hospitals are those uh, Christian hospitals, universities, there are Christian universities. Uh, we are so much part of the cultural movement uh, in Palestine, the literature and all of that. In other words, we're not simply sitting there and doing nothing, but uh, Palestinian Christian community is a lively community and even contribute uh, in politics. And interestingly, there are even laws that protect Christians. So for example, even though Christians are now a minority in Bethlehem, by law, the mayor has to be Christian. And so when there are elections, only Christians can be, uh, um, can be voted for, okay? And so these are some of the things that, uh, you know, not everyone, or you, you seldom hear about uh, in the news, and that is why many Palestinian Christians really feel at home in Palestine and do not feel uh, pressured. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there aren't, you know, some difficulties. And it's still a predominantly uh, Muslim society. And sometimes, uh, you know, issues of evangelism and so on are not uh, easily accepted. So, as I said, we feel somehow unworthy yet privileged 
to carry uh, the message of God, the testimony of God in the land of Christ. And I began by asking, what is your perception of Ar when you hear the word Arab? And I bet you that the last thing you had in mind is that Arabs are those who carried the testimony of God for thousands of years in the land of Christ. And this is, for me, one of the miracles uh, in history. And I believe that the fact that Christianity survived in the Holy Land is only an act of God's grace. It is a miracle that despite all the history and all the, you know, all the Islamic rule and different periods that Christianity survived. And it's a testimony, really, of God's grace. A miracle. And I'm here also to share with you of God's miracles today among the Palestinian people. And I believe that one of that miracle is uh, uh, the Bethlehem Bible College. Uh, a small dream vision of one person who said, who noticed that many Palestinian Christians, when they leave outside to study theology, they never come back. They're attracted by the lifestyle in the West and never come back. And so we need to start a Bible college in Bethlehem. And uh, in the last uh, 34 years, we have seen uh, the growth of that small Bible college from a few students in one classroom into purchasing new and more buildings. And this is now a vibrant and lively community and center, Christian center at the heart of Bethlehem that provides distinctively Christian education, uh, focusing on discipleship. And indeed, if you visit most of the evangelical churches today in the Holy Land, uh, in Galilee and in, 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 in the West Bank, and even in Gaza, most of the pastors are graduates of Bethlehem Bible College uh, who graduated in the last 34 years. Uh, and so it's really an honor to be part of that uh, institution. We have different academic programs, uh, a BA in Biblical Studies, and we also give a Master in Christian uh, Education. And interesting, as I said, uh, uh, we are uh, faring, uh, uh, the, the, our program is accredited by the Ministry of Higher Education uh, in Palestine, which shows, uh, gives an idea of uh, or a testimony of the good relationship we as Christians in, in the Palestinian territories have with uh, the government. In addition to teaching biblical studies, we teach and train tour guides and uh, train, uh, give a degree in media because we feel it's not only uh, our mission to train people to serve Christ, but also how to be servants in the community. Our students come from different backgrounds. And uh, even though in the beginning they were mainly evangelicals, right now over 50% of our student body come from different or other uh, church families, Orthodox uh, and Catholics. And it's because of the recognition of the quality of education uh, we give and how much we are effective uh, in the ministry, in the society, and how our graduates are really effective in their positions, not simply as pastors, but we have school headmasters who graduated from Bible college and those who are involved in many different ministries, working with students and other uh, things. And our students are mainly Palestinians who come from the West Bank, some from Gaza and some from uh, Galilee. And because it's hard for us now to go to Gaza because of, uh, it's, it's closed, we just started an extension program through Skype. And we're trying to train people in the churches there how to be better uh, disciples. And so as uh, Ramis said yesterday, all of the obstacles that we have, we just simply turned into uh, opportunities. And one of the exciting things uh, that happened last year 
uh, in the college is that despite our difficult situations, uh, our students were able to go and visit the ref Syrian refugees in Jordan and give them some aid and spend time with them. And when they came back, they said that the thing that they needed the most, the Syrian refugees, is someone to sit with them and talk with them. And so they spent over a week just meeting people, uh, talking with them and sharing with them about life and their faith and listening to their uh, story. And it's amazing to me how uh, a church that is in conflict, uh, the church that is really struggling, is now you know, rising above that struggle and uh, using our own struggle to go and uh, comfort others who are uh, going through hard times. And one of the ministries we have is also a choir, which I uh, has been uh, in England before, in the UK, and also in Ireland. I'm not sure if they have been in this church uh, some time ago, but uh, it's a choir that is from students and graduates. And sometimes when it's hard to get the message or when it's hard to go and speak in some churches who don't want to listen to evangelical preachers, they would open uh, their doors to choirs and to music. And so we've had the privilege of singing in all kinds of churches, different church families, uh, Anglicans, uh, Catholics, Orthodox, Protestants, and so on, and Evangelicals, of course. Now, in the midst of that, uh, we feel that part of our message and part of our calling as Palestinian Christians is to try to make sense of the context we find ourselves in. And in a context of conflict, we truly believe that God's call for us is to be peacemakers. And Jesus said it, blessed are the peacemakers. And I wonder sometimes if we as Christians take that message seriously. About three years ago, we had this uh, interesting idea at the Bible College and say, let's have a conference talk about the conflict and let's invite evangelicals to talk about the conflict and we thought how can we as bible believing christians make sense of our reality and so we decided uh, to call this conference christ at the checkpoint thinking mainly what would christ think say do if he is to cross one of these checkpoints today and we have chosen the checkpoint because we felt it is a symbol uh, of the conflict. And so we said, these two symbols, Christ and the checkpoint, let's bring them together and ask the question. And to be honest, we did this because we as Palestinian Christians uh, for many years uh, feel hurt. Uh, we feel, uh, in a sense, uh, neglected. We've been hurt. and We've been through a lot. Uh, and I'm not saying we've been hurt by... Um, Others, I'm saying we've been hurt by the Christian community uh, who neglected us to a certain degree, uh, who taught us or tried to force us to believe things about uh, our theology and about who we are, who, as I would usually say, ignored us at best, yet demonized us at worst. And I can share story after story of how many Christians would come to us simply because we're Palestinians and tell us, uh, uh, you should leave this place. You should leave the land. You're standing, you're an obstacle in God's way. Uh, people who wouldn't even shake our hands just because we are Christians. 
And as a result, we said, we need to talk about these things. And we need to invite Christians not simply to talk about issues of prophecy and land theology from their offices and write books about them, but come on the ground and meet and interact with us. And just to give you an idea of what I mean by we have been ignored, uh, this is an article from a prominent Christian magazine on the internet written by two godly people that I truly and honestly respect. Uh, and the article was debating a question. Do Jews have a divine right to Israel's land? And what really interesting for me or bothers me about this discussion that took place just last year is that here are two Americans sitting in their office writing about the land I have been living in for the last 500 years. And so my question would be, wait a minute, what about the people who actually live in the land? Would anybody care for our perspective? And I'll tell you the rest of the story later. And sometimes when we speak out, we have been accused of sort, sort of things, like being anti-Semitic, anti-Israel, being biased or teaching replacement uh, theology. And I can share story after story about all of these uh, realities, about uh, how even people stopped funding the Bible College and helping us uh, in our ministry because of certain things we said. And really our cry in all of this is not simply, you know, support us or feel with our pain. But really I believe there is a, at the core of this, a theological question. See, our cry to the, to, the, to the Christian world is that if you're trying to really make sense of the Bible and, and, and be orthodox in your belief about prophecy and end, end time and the land and all this issue, you need to consider the practical consequences of what you believe. And so when it comes to the question of orthodoxy or orthopraxy or the right practice, I believe that the right theology, the right doctrine, the right belief is the theology that leads to practice, good practice. They shall know that you are by my disciples, by your doctrine, uh, by your belief in, you know, in prophecy. No, by your love to one another. And it's by their fruits that we are judged. And so if any theology we teach whether I teach it or you teach it, and I must hold myself accountable, if any theology I teach trumps the biblical ethics, the biblical teachings of Jesus, teachings of love, equality, and justice, then I must rethink this theology. And this is really what we have been trying to communicate for the last number of years. And the Bible really says it. Justice and only justice you shall follow that you may live and inherit the land that the Lord God is giving you. And I believe this applies not just to the Jews in the Old Testament, to Israel in the Old Testament, but it applies to all peoples in all nations. Justice is what God is seeking in us. And so, I know that people said, yeah, why are you becoming too political? I think, no, this is what God wants us to do. And he said, blessed are the peacemakers. And going back to the question in that article, 
when I saw it, and if you know me uh, well enough, you know that I, I, you know, I had to do something about it, so I emailed the editor of the magazine saying, would you be interested in a Palestinian response? And that freaked him out, probably. And so he tested me. He said, what would you like to say if I allow you to respond? And I said, and I said, the first thing I will do is that I will suggest a different question. You see, instead of wondering, do Jews have a divine right to the land? I suggest we scratch that question and ask, how can we as Christians advance peace between Israelis and Palestinians? Let me be honest. I think we're tired in the land of people who are too much pro-Israel or too much pro-Palestinian. And what we need is people who are willing to be true peacemakers. People who are willing to be too radical and take the message of Jesus Christ too seriously. People who are pro-Jesus, pro-the church. We don't need more division. We don't need more arguments. Jesus said it, blessed are the peacemakers. And I seriously wonder sometimes, do we believe it? Do we believe that God is calling us to be peacemakers? And as I said, peacemakers are those who take risks, are those who are willing to go on both sides of the divide and listen to both stories and try to help people understand each other's. And I'm really, really tired because so many times I have heard it from Christians who come to the Holy Land. When they ask me, oh, so what do you think will happen? That's everyone, that's what everyone. Or they ask me, uh, what do you think should happen to have peace between Palestine and Israel? As if I know the answers. And after some discussion, you cannot imagine how many times I've heard people say, well, we know there will never be peace in Palestine and Israel until Christ comes. There will never be peace in Palestine and Israel until Christ comes. And I must admit, as a young believer, uh, I like that answer. So appealing to me because it made Jesus look super. He's the one who's going to bring peace. He's the prince of peace. This is such an evil world. Nothing's going to change. And it's really such a very, very fatalistic view, to be honest, of things. And the more I studied Jesus, the more I realized I cannot accept that answer. Because Jesus presents us with an alternative way. Blessed are the peacemakers. And I, I must also admit that uh, since my son was born 11 months ago, that answer really doesn't satisfy me anymore because they cannot really wait for divine intervention. And so I no longer really wait for divine intervention because I believe in God's call to action. And I believe that if Christ is to stand in front of the checkpoint today, he would weep for both people. And he would ask us and he would plead with us to listen to each other. I believe he would weep not just for the Palestinian crossing the checkpoint, but also for the Israeli uh, holding the weapon, stopping him. Because it's his heart is for both of them. And I really encourage you to take that message seriously, that 
the church really can be a difference, can make a difference. And it grieves my heart that so many often, it's those who are from outside the church who are engaged in peace initiatives and people from the Christian tradition, sometimes even evangelical traditions, are the last to be part of peace initiatives because of certain perceptions they have, certain theologies, and sometimes we're too fatalistic. Is there hope in the midst of the conflict? Can Jesus make a difference? You just witnessed a Palestinian come on stage following an Israeli. And if you've been uh, here this afternoon, you've listened to our discussion. And despite some differences we might have in politics, in theology, yet both of us are committed to the, uh, to the cause of the gospel in our land. And both of us are willing to sit, pray, and listen to each other. Because really Christ can make a difference. And sometimes I feel we do not believe it. We do not take it seriously. We just watch and wait for divine intervention. And therefore, it is my hope that we realize that God's will for Palestine and Israel is for people to know his love for them. And I really encourage you to put on new lenses and look at the conflict through new eyes. Let us not be fatalistic. Let us not simply think nothing will happen. But let us begin to ask, what is my role? as an individual, as a pastor, as a community, as a church, what is our role? What can we do to advance peace in, the, in Palestine and Israel? How can we be true peacemakers? In the end, I encourage you to come to Bethlehem. Visit us. Uh, we would love to see you at the Bible College. Uh, we have a nice guest house. Maybe some of you have been there. Uh, I invite you to join us in the third Christ at the Checkpoint in March 10 uh, of next year. Or even come and volunteer. Come and volunteer and, and spend time with us uh, working in different uh, possible areas. If you want to know more about our ministry, there are some leaflets uh, in the end about the Bible College and about uh, the Christ at the Checkpoint uh, conference. Just want to really thank you uh, in the end from the bottom of my heart. Uh, for listening to my heart and listening uh, to the plight or to the call of uh, Palestinian Christians and a Messianic uh, Israeli pastor. And really, I hope that we look at the Middle East, we look at Palestine, Israel, the way God would look at it through Jesus. Thank you. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.